Lord this morning. Casey's going to lead us this morning and join with us as we worship the Lord. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that he takes 
the situations and the struggles of this life, and he can turn them around and do far above and beyond what we ever dreamed or thought would be possible. Well, we want to welcome you to Harmony today. Whether you're in person, whether you're watching online at our online campus, we thank you for gathering with us, and uh, we're looking forward to an awesome day together today as we take a look at a remarkable life, the story of Jesus, and we look at Mark chapter 12, and we talk about the goodness of God and the grace of God and how it makes a difference in our life today. And I believe that uh, our message today is going to make a difference in your life. Our worship is going to. Uh, and we just want to gather uh, together and uh, realize what we have in Christ and the hope that is there. A couple of things that I want to just say thank you for. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, your response with uh, the outreach and, and the candy donations and the different things. Uh, we were able... Uh, to do multiple outreaches, still have one left to do this evening uh, that our youth group is doing, uh, an outreach uh, in our neighborhood, uh, and I uh, want to thank you for your generosity with that uh, and the way you worked and, and shared and gave of your time, of your resources uh, to make that happen, uh, and just want to say a thank you uh, for that. It's been an incredible couple of uh, opportunities that we've had uh, to serve our community and to reach out, so thank you. Uh, you are doing an amazing job at supporting the vision and uh, being everything uh, that God God wants us to be in helping uh, those things to, to be made possible. So thank you uh, for doing that. I have a couple of uh, prayer requests that I, I want to uh, ask you uh, to pray for. I want to ask you to pray for uh, the Maynard family, uh, Robin Maynard's sister. Uh, Tanya passed away uh, uh, last week and uh, or, or earlier this, this previous week, and uh, the services will be coming up this week. So let's uh, make sure and pray for their family uh, during this time of loss and, and grief and uh, pray for uh, their, their uh, father. Tony uh, and uh, his wife, that God will just be with them and uh, protect them and, and take care of them uh, during this time. I also want to ask you to pray for uh, Bill Hawkins. Uh, he has uh, been down uh, in Florida, just got there earlier this week, and uh, now uh, they are, uh, he's in in the hospital, uh, has some internal bleeding, and uh, not certain as to what's causing it, what's taking place. So let's remember to pray for Bill, uh, that God will take care of them. Looking ahead to next week, I want to encourage you uh, to, to let you know Gary Varvel is speaking next Sunday. going to be talking about Mark chapter 13 and looking at some of the things uh, about the end times. People constantly ask, uh, what do you think? Are, are, are we getting closer to the end times? Well, um, here's what I'll tell you. With every passing day, we're getting closer. Okay, that, that is a given. We are one day closer. Uh, every day, we are one day closer. We're not sure when it's going to be, but it certainly looks like it's going to be soon. But remember this, uh, no matter what it is, no matter when it is, all right, uh, we're to be found faithful. And I just want to encourage you uh, with that truth. Uh, and I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday morning as Gary's going to be sharing uh, some, some details from Mark chapter 13 and some of the things that I think will be uh, a blessing to you and make a difference in your life. Well, with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And remember, after we pray, uh, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a couple of songs, then I'm going to come back and we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 12 today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for all that, that you've done. Lord, I know that there's a lot of sickness, a lot of struggle uh, taking place, uh, lots of uh, people dealing with loss and, and grief, trying to navigate their way through that. Lord, I, I just want to thank you uh, for our church family who showed love to the Riggles family uh, earlier uh, la last week and, and uh, taking care of things uh, in our community and, and serving in, in many different ways. I want to thank you for the great things that are taking place here. But Lord, we lift up our struggles, our, our problems, our hurts, Lord, the sickness, those that have been in the hospital this week, those that are in the hospital right now, Lord, whatever the circumstance or situation might be, we ask, uh, Father, that you would work and that you would do what only you can do. Father, as we sing a couple more songs, as we look at your word uh, and, and we search for hope today, I ask that you will make the difference in our hearts and in our lives as Dave and Teresa are away. I pray that you would give them a restful time and God just uh, take care of them uh, and bless them as well. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? I've heard a thousand stories of tender way. 
absolutely good. You meet us where we are, in our darkest, and even at our happiest. Lord God, I ask the blessing to the message that John has prepared for us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts to receive whatever it is you have for us today. And Lord, I ask, also ask that as we go our separate ways, keep us all safe and find us faithful in our places. Thank you, Lord, for being so good. In Jesus' name. 
Well, you may be seated. Hey, as we worship together, isn't it an awesome thing to be able to celebrate the goodness of God and to know that when you look back in life's moments, you, you may not have been able to understand it earlier in life, but you can look back and see the goodness of God. I, I look around at, at my life. I look around at, at some of the lives of people that I've, I've known and, and walked with through life uh, over many, many years, and, and it's incredible many times to be able to look back and just be able to see the goodness of God. Well, let me ask you this question. When's the last time you just took a, a look at the goodness of, of God in your life? I don't know about you, but I generally have no trouble finding the difficult moments, right? Anybody like that? I mean, you can just look back and, and you can find the struggle and you can find the problem and, and you can find the question as to why, why did you do this, God, and why did you allow that to happen? And, and, and really, why is that person over there? It seems like they're ahead of me at this stage in life and, and I'm really just kind of wondering why you're letting them edge me out. You may not say it just like that, but, but I think that many of us walk through life and, and, and we often look at life that way. We, we look at what we think is not rather than the goodness of God. We look at, at the struggle rather than the victory that God has given. And today in Mark chapter 12, one of the things that we're going to see is we're going to see the goodness of God, but, but in the midst of seeing the goodness of God, what, what we're going to see is Jesus telling a group of people and having a conversation with them all throughout Mark chapter 12 that, that here's what he's saying. He's saying it's not who you are, it's not what you have, what you do with Jesus and the position that you place him in in your life is going to be the difference maker. It's where you start with Jesus. That's going to be what ultimately matters. So today, in Mark chapter 12, we just begin reading in the first few verses, and, and, and here's what we discover in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. It says, Then he began to speak to them in parables. It says, A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated and again he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some now this is a kind of a, a difficult conversation I, I mean we look at at what's taking place in these first five verses and, and you're like look we see a picture of a man who who gives these people all these things makes an agreement with them and then he tries to to get what is rightfully his and and they push away and not only do they push away they literally commit murder, they, they stone people, they, they, they run them off, yet in verse number six it says this, therefore still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes." And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Well, as we've journeyed through Mark, and we come to Mark chapter 12, we, we've looked at many different aspects of, of Mark and the life of Jesus as, as Mark records it and, and lets it unfold. And, and we've witnessed Jesus 
feed the multitudes on more than one, one occasion. We've witnessed Jesus make room in, in the house where they, where they let the man down that was born by four of his friends, brought there by four of them. We, we've witnessed that, how, how he raised him up. We, we've witnessed how he went in, in the temple and, and said, look, your, your hand is healed. Just stretch forth your, your hand. And, and we've seen the miracles of God over and over and over that are worked as Jesus was walking through life. We've witnessed a parent and a, a father and a mother in, in tears saying, could, could you do something with my child? And, and there's a, a daughter that's healed. There's a, a son that is raised. We've witnessed life's struggles when life seems like it was at its worst and we see Jesus at his best. Yet in this conversation, he begins the last few days of his earthly life just before he's getting ready to give his life on the cross. And, and he comes to this group of people. Keep in mind, a, a short time before, he's been in the temple. He, he just rode into Jerusalem just a, a couple of days before this conversation. They, they, they tell us that a million plus people flooded the city during that time. They, they tell us that they lined the streets and they were chanting Hosanna and they were crying out for the one who had come to, to make things right to set them free. And now he's having a conversation with them. And it's a conversation that might seem like it's a little difficult to, to understand because he speaks in what's called a parable. And, and a parable is an effort by Jesus where, where he begins to give them a scenario. And for those that know, it becomes obvious. Those that don't know, they walk away thinking, what in the world is he talking about? What is he saying in this situation? So when we begin to look at this conversation and then we follow through the rest of Mark chapter 12, Jesus gives us something to, to build on in these first few verses. And one of the things that he, he starts off with in those first few verses is he, he says this. He says, a man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Do, do you know what that's a picture of? That Jesus is giving something to these individuals that are around and he's telling them, look, here's a, here's a common thing that happens in your culture and your society. There's a, a wealthy individual and he sets a family, he sets a group up for success and he gives them everything that is needed and everything that they could ever want or expect and he does all of the hard work and he turns it over to them and he says, here's the agreement. At some point in time, I'm going to come back near the, the, the time of the harvest as, as you're, you're getting things ready. And I just want a portion of what's there. Let me ask you something. If somebody set you up in business and gave you everything that you would ever need and said, look, I just want a small percentage of the return. I've, I've put in all the hard work. I've done everything for you. Would that be something that you would at least be interested in? Yeah, a lot of people would be interested in that. They would be saying, look, you've got my attention. But as we read a little bit further, here's what we find out. When he returned with his messengers to, to go and, and see the state of things and, and to collect just a, a small portion, they, they beat him and sent him home empty-handed. He sent another messenger, and, and, and they killed him, and, and then he sent some more messengers, and they rejected them, and then he said, look, I'm going to send my son, and here's what happened. They looked at him and said, wow, if we get rid of this one, that's all he has, and everything's going to be left to us. There's nobody to take it. There's nobody to lay hold of it. It's going to be ours, but do you know what happened? Along the course of the way, here, here's what happened. The people that were listening, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the, the people that dressed the right way, the people that could, could read, the, the people that could interpret things down at the temple, the people that would, would stand up and talk and, and tell them what some of the Old Testament scriptures mean, these people all of a sudden realized, wow, he's not talking about anybody but us. Because he's given us a land and a country, and he has blessed us, and he's given us opportunity after opportunity, and he sent messengers to us, but we rejected those messengers. We, we turned them 
away. And, and you know what happened? They said, you're not going to talk like that about us. We know some of the things that, that you're digging at. And, and, and they were ticked, right? I mean, that's not the King James translation. That's the Lily translation. And, and, and here's, they're, they're upset, right? I, I mean, they're fuming. That they're mad, and they say, look, we, we want to do something about it. But they understood that Jesus was so popular with the crowd that they couldn't go ahead and do anything at that moment because they didn't want to create a revolt they couldn't handle. So they laid low, and they said, we've got our plan in place. We know what he means, but we're going to wait this thing out and try and do exactly what Jesus said they were going to do and what they did and that was to crucify him. Now, as we think about this passage of Scripture, I want you to see in verse number 1, when we talk about what unfolds in this, verse number 1 is a picture of the goodness of God. We're just going to take a look at some of the attributes of God as, as we walk through here and as we see this passage develop. Jesus comes and, and here's what he's doing. He's having a conversation about the goodness of, of God. When we begin to, to look at what unfolds, he says, a man planted a vineyard. He set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower and he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Do, do you know what he, he says? He says, look guys, I want you to understand something. Some of you are having some questions about who I am and, and what I'm about, but I want you to understand this. I want you to see the, the goodness of God. He says, God provided the land. He planted a vineyard. He set a hedge. He dug a place. He built a tower, and he turned it over to them. He just gave it to them, leased it back to them, turned it over to them, and, and just wanted a, a small portion of return as what would have been common in their day. Do, do, you, know, do you know what he's really saying is he's saying in the goodness of God he gave you the land he planted everything that needed to be taken care of he he dug the vat and the pit that would go around he built the tower he put a, a strong hedge around and we'll talk about all of those things in just a moment and he said all he wanted was a little bit of fruit from what he has blessed you with. A little bit of recognition. A little, little bit of, hey, God, you are good. And acknowledging that. I want you to think for just a, a moment about the goodness of God in your life. The, the, the blessings of God. I know that we've been through a difficult time. I know that we've been in the midst of, of a pandemic and still navigating some, some different things. But, but even in all of that, can you see the goodness of God? That the working of, of God. When, when, when things first started and they were unfolding, we met and said, what are we going to do? And we prayed and we said, God, this is in your hands and not sure how we're going to navigate it, not sure how we're going to get through it. And you look and you say, man, it's, it's really difficult and what are we going to do? But, but we could do one of two things. We, we could talk about all the, the difficulties. We could talk about the circumstances and the challenges. Or we could focus in on the goodness of God and begin to say, you know what? As a church, we accomplished more during the pandemic than any year in, in our history prior to that. God was good. Talking about changed lives, talking about things that, that happened that we could not do on our own. I'm willing to assume if you will look at your life in every season, in every moment, we can trace the goodness of God. You see, there's sometimes that we can't quite see his hand in our life, but when we begin to look back and look for it, we can begin to see the goodness of God. Think about it for just a moment. He's talking to a group of people who are scribes and Pharisees, people that are experts in what's been handed down, and he's saying, look, Israel, I gave you land. I, I, I gave you land, and one thing kept you out of the, the promise of that Land. Do you, do you know what kept them from getting God's blessing sooner rather than later? Do you know what it was? It's this thing that we tend to do. It's called complaining. 
That's, that's what, what it was. You see, God led him out of slavery in, in Exodus. There's this big deal, and Moses goes, and he says, Pharaoh, uh, you're, you're going to let my people go. And, and we could walk through that story, but for the sake of time, we're just going to speed it up and say Moses is leading them out of, of bondage. He's leading them out of Egypt. They come to the, the Red Sea and they cross the Red Sea and, and there was a little bit of complaining prior to the crossing and then after they get across the Red Sea and after camp is set up and after things are not exactly what they expected, what do they do? Instead of seeing the deliverance of God and the goodness of God, they complain. And all they can see is what's wrong. They, they can't see anything that is, is right, yet God had gave them a land. God had fortified the land. God had helped them conquer different enemies along the way. And over and over and over, you can see the goodness of God. Do you know what I've discovered in my life? Here, here's just a simple truth. And I think it's true for, for all of us at different seasons. It is generally easier for me to see the goodness of God in somebody else's life than it is in my own life. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, it's, it's easy to see the goodness of God. I, 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 don't know why they, they, I don't know why they would ever complain. I mean, look, look, look how good they have it. We really don't know them. We really haven't walked the miles that, that, that they've walked in this life. But, but we look and we can find all the reasons that God has been good to them. Yet when we look at... Mark chapter 12 in the first verse, Jesus is having a conversation and he's saying, look, God has done so much for you. He's given you land. He's blessed it. He put in the work. He prepared it. And all you had to do was take care of it. All you had to do was give a little bit of fruit to him. That means just to acknowledge his goodness. Just to acknowledge that, that he owns it all. Just to acknowledge that it's really his. And Jesus says, you, you guys, you haven't done it. I mean, he doesn't say it just like that, but that's what he says. We, we look a, a, a little bit further. And, and, and honestly, we, we, we could go ahead and we could talk about how this applies to Israel, and it does, and how it applies to the, the people that, that were there. But can I just tell you something? It applies to you and I. It applies to you and I. I want you to understand today, if you're here in this room, and if you're watching the on, on, online stream, and, and, and you're in America, congratulations, because you're in the top 3% of the world. Now, now, I know that people don't necessarily like some statements sometimes that are really strong and, and pro-America, and, and I want you to understand something. I'm pro-Jesus. But, but, but can, you, can you understand that we did, I, I, didn't, I did nothing to say reserve my spot and let me be born in Withville, Virginia and, and in, enjoy some benefits of growing up in, in a community that was different than that. Because I want to tell you something, Withville is a neat place, but it's a neat place to be from. Keyword from. Lots of good people there. Lots of good people there. There's a lot of good people in a, in a lot of places, but you know what? There's some things in this life that, that we, we don't get the choice in. And, and understand this God looked down at Israel and he said, Look, uh, I, I'm blessing you and giving you some things that, that you don't deserve. And, and, and what about us right here, right now? The goodness of God on display. We ought to be able to look around our communities. We ought to be able to look around our lives and, and to be able to see the goodness of God. But as we, we move through it and begin to understand, here's something that, that God does that's absolutely incredible. You see the protection of God. Let, let's, let's, let's look at it. He said, a man planted a vineyard. And he set a hedge. Let, let's just talk about the protection of God and, and this concept of the hedge. What, what is a hedge? This was a, a, a hedge that was, it was a wall. It's a, a barrier or a boundary that's designed to protect. It's designed to, to keep an enemy out. It's designed to, to help keep people within a guardrail. 
You see, when, when you begin to, to look at, at the, the hedge, what, what God was doing is he was saying, look, I've given you a land, I've planted you a, a vineyard, and I'm going to set a hedge. I'm going to give you some guidelines to protect you. Do you know what some of the guidelines were? Some of the guidelines were the commandments that, that he gave Moses. Some of the guidelines were, were his word that, that was being sent by his, his prophets, the messengers. But, but here's what would happen, and we'll talk about it in, in just a moment. They would often ignore it. They, they would often just, just say, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. But, but here's what God does. The goodness of God, he says, I'm going to give you something, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm even going to give you the ability to have it protected. All you have to do is listen and apply. All you have to do is, is to take it in and operate within these bounds. There's a hedge to keep the enemy out. What is the enemy? It's anything that will destroy us or destroy the goodness that God has provided in our life. Make no mistake about it. If you're a Christ follower... You have an enemy. Peter says he, he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know what? Sometimes he devours us best and most effectively by devouring the hedge of protection that God has placed in our life by getting us to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. By getting us to ignore the boundaries and the guardrails that God has, has put in our life. By, by getting us to walk away from, from God's word. You see, God wants to protect us. That's why he provided a boundary. He provided a guide for life to keep the enemy out and to keep us in parameter. And I want to tell you something. When, 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 when I say to keep us within parameter, to keep us in, I don't mean so that we don't enjoy life because that's what some people think. They think, man, God's, God's against all of this stuff, and, and the Bible says you can't do this and you can't do that. No, you, you, you got it all wrong. I want to tell you something. God is for you, and God wants you to enjoy life. God wanted Israel to enjoy life, yet they were missing it. These people that, that Jesus is talking to, they had been, been created by God and for God. They were, they were created with Jesus present and they were created to go ahead and bring glory and honor to him and to live a life that was absolutely incredible, yet they were missing it. They were missing it. Why? Because the protection that God had offered was something that they weren't interested in. Do you know what they did? They, they took God's protection and traded it for their own. That's what they did. They said, wow, you gave Moses some commandments and we got this thing called the law. We, can, we could add a lot to it. We, we could improve. And as you look through the conversations that Jesus is going to have in Mark chapter 12 and the conversations that he has had along the way with the scribes and Pharisees, every time it goes back to something that was an addition, not to what God gave. It goes back to what they wanted to practice, not, not what God had designed them for. You see, there was a hedge. Then there was a tower. What is a tower? A tower was, was representative of a place of prayer, a place to be on watch for the enemy, a place to, to look out and, and, and to be able to see what, what was ahead, what was out there. It really was a place to meet with God and to gain a better perspective and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, look, he's, he's given you all these things. What have you done with it? You know, when we look at our life and we translate all of this into our life today as a Christ follower, he's given us his word. He's given us a tower prayer, a place to, to get above the circumstances of life. Yet, yet I wonder how much of the time we, we really utilize it. I wonder how, how many of our, our lives, if we, if we were honest, if we could just go back and, and look and begin to see that, that God has given us his word, that God has given us his instruction, it, could we go back and see if we're operating in, in the parameters of that, if we're spending time with him in that place called prayer to find guidance, to find his perspective, to see what is out there? You see, Habakkuk said, I will keep my watch and I will get up in the tower 
He's, he's referring to a place to be able to look out over the city and to be able to look and see what God has for him and what God had for his people. And he said, I'm going to write a vision and I'm going to make it plain so that other people would know. You know what Jesus is talking about? He's talking about the same thing in my life and in your life. A place where we follow God's word, a place where we speak to God on a level that he guides us and directs us and helps us to see what he wants our tomorrow to be like. You see, when we look at God, he was definitely good. When we look, we, we see the protection. He set a hedge. He did it for him. You see, there's so much that we have in God that, that we don't deserve. So many things that he does for us that we could never hope to do on our own. And as we take a look at the conversation that Jesus has, we discover his goodness. We discover the protection. How about this? The patience of God. Let, let me just ask you something. How many of you would describe yourself as a patient person? That's, that's what I, I thought. Few, few people in the room raised their, their hand. Some, some raised their hand and they got the jab, right? The elbow <laughs> next to them. Somebody going, oh, you think you're patient, but I know you like you don't know you. I don't know about you, but I'll just, I'll just be honest. I mean, when the light turns green in front of me, I'm ready to go. And if somebody else isn't, you know, I'm, I'm like my dad. I'm, I'm like, you waiting on a color you like? You waiting on a written invitation? I mean, what, 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 what's taking place, right? I, I, I'm just not, just not that patient when, when it, it comes to that. In fact, not long ago, I was driving down uh, 36 before the construction had started, and, and uh, somebody was outside the police station. They'll remain nameless, but uh, they, they, they sent me a text and said, I think... I just clocked you going by the station. I said, couldn't have been. They said, no, I really think it could have been. And I, I think it was you. And I'm just trying to see if this is working right. I said, it's got to be broke, right? It couldn't be me. Why? I was in a hurry to get somewhere. Why? Because I'm not the most patient person in life. Isn't it amazing? We want everybody else to be patient with us, yet sometimes we are not patient with others around us. So, so let, let's, let's make the application and begin to look at, at what happens. God has, has given all of this goodness. God has offered protection. And here's, here's what the, the Bible says. It says now at vintage time, time for everything to be brought in. The the, the wine press is, is going to be taken place. The, the grapes are going to be stomped, squeezed. The, the, the wine is, is going to, to flow down. The juice is going to flow down into the vats. It, it's it's going to go through the process that, that it needs to go through. Jesus is has, has telling them, look, God set everything up for you. And, and here's what happens. He sends a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some, not all, just some of the fruit of the vineyard. From the vine dressers, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again, he, he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Think about that. How many times is it again? He sent a servant, and then again he sent another servant, and again he sent another, and there was more, many others, beating some and killing some. Don't, don't you think at some point in time it would have just been like, look, I'm going back in there and I'm taking back what, what's mine? But you know what? God, God is patient. You see, we're not typically patient with others. We're not typically patient with God his plan or his purpose yet God is patient with us and he sent messenger after messenger think about it Isaiah they ignored him Jeremiah didn't want to listen to him Ezekiel Hosea what about John the Baptist as Jesus is having this conversation John the Baptist has already been beheaded why because they didn't like what he had to say 
Think about it for just a moment. The guy that was there, Herod, Herod liked John. That's what the scripture says according to Mark. He got, he got his attention and he listened to some of the things that he had to say, but other people said, no, we can't risk it. This guy wants us to change. We, 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 we can't do that. You see, Israel rejected messengers. They beat, they brutalized, and they killed according to that passage. Yet God kept sending messengers with a message. And that message was, look at my goodness and look at the protection that I have for you. Look at what I can protect you with and what I can protect you from. How long is God patient with us? When you, when you read through faith's hall of fame and you go and you look at, at Hebrews chapter 11 and you see those that responded to God by faith and you see those that endured trials and tribulations because they were living for God by faith and they were rejected over and over and over again. We see people that were sawn in two. I don't know about you, but if somebody did that to my servant, I'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm not waiting to, to settle the score later on. I'm going in and I'm taking care of it now. But God said, no, I'm patient. I'm patient. Do you know, according to this passage of scripture, God is patient, but there's a day where he says, no, judgment comes. It won't be put off any longer. We look and we see something that's extraordinary when you look at what Jesus says the Father does. He says in verse number six, therefore still having one son. He's patient. Servants have been beaten. They've been beheaded. They've been killed. But, but he's not done it says, therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Let's take a look at the grace of God. How many times did God send another messenger? Over and over and over again. But now we look and we see that he sent his one and only son. It's no longer someone that is distant from him. It's now close and personal. It's now the one who is perfect and his name is Jesus. And he is the one, the only one that can make the complete atonement for sin for all men for all time. And yet here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I've come and you've rejected him. Why? You, you want me out of your life so that you can have everything to yourself. What, what, is, what is grace? Grace is, is having the benefit of, of God and the blessings of God all at someone else's expense. Grace is, is being given opportunity by God that, that really cost you, that cost me nothing. When we look at the, the people that he's talking to, he's saying, look, there's the goodness of God, there's the protection of God, there's the patience of God, and now he sent his one and only son. It's the grace of God. You did nothing to deserve it, but you continue to reject it. You see... When we look at verse number nine, it says this. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. You see, what he's saying is there's a response of God and one day he himself is going to return. It's not going to be somebody else's messenger. It's going to be him in all of his glory. There's, there's coming a moment when accountability will be reckoned. And here's where we just kind of tie everything together. Jesus says, have you not even read the scripture? 
The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. It says, and they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken a parable against them. So they left him and went away. You see, the goodness of God, the protection of God, the patience of God, and the grace of God, all are things that we don't deserve because it just builds. God was good and nobody deserved it. He just did it. He offered protection. Nobody deserved it. He just did it. He he was patient. Nobody deserved it. That's just who he is. It's all wrapped up in the grace of God. Yet when we begin to look at what Jesus wraps this section up with as he's talking, he's talking about the position of God. And he's talking about the position of God, not God being created not God being the one that is omnipotent and on high. He's talking about the position of God in your life, in my life. He was talking about the position of God in their life. Here's here's what he says. He says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The position of God. Let's talk about the cornerstone. What is the cornerstone? The cornerstone is is the foundation that holds it all together. Did you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying the goodness, the patience, the protection, the grace, all the things that we need in this life, it all hinges on the Son. It all hinges on relationship. And and here's the, the struggle. You see, Jesus is is telling us, look, you think that you can just go ahead and and add the sun on occasionally when you want. You think that you can just enjoy some of the goodness of God and some of the protection of God and begin to to push other things out and and that he's always going to to be patient and just endure. But, But here's the reality. Jesus says, look, what you do with me matters more than anything. You see, Jesus is, he's foundational for our life. What does that mean? It means this, instead of trying to to build a marriage, instead of trying to build a family, instead of trying to to, to build a life and relationships and, and finances and a work life and all the other things and then tack Jesus on, it means we start with Jesus. And today some are looking for answers to life. And I want to tell you something, the goodness of God, the protection of God, the patience of God, and the grace of God is all fully realized when God is in the right position in your life and in my life. When he's the, the cornerstone, when he is the one that it all hinges on, when he is the one that holds it all together. You see, Jesus told them that, but, but they didn't listen. I want you to, to listen to, to the Sermon on the Mount. Just the, the last few verses of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is out. There's a a multitude of people that are listening. I mean, he's there. Nobody's worried about, is is he going to be done in in just a minute? Nothing to, to that effect. They are hinging on every word that he's saying. And here's what he says in verse number 24, Matthew chapter 7. He's talked about all kinds of practical things. He's talked about life, how we live, relationships, choices we make, how to be happy, how to navigate difficult times, who comes first in our life, all of these things. And here's what he says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. Do you know what that passage says? Jesus says, look, it it all hinges on me. The goodness, the protection, the patience, the grace. It all ties back to the position that I came to have in your life, the position that I was designed for, the the position that God designed you for. 
He, he wants Jesus to be foundational in your life. Yet when, when we try and put Jesus in where we want him, do you, do you know what happens? We fail to see the goodness of God. We fail to, to live in the protection of God. We miss out on much of it. We fail to, to realize just how patient God is. And we fail to take in the grace that we truly don't deserve and, and reflect on it and let it be in our life. You see, I don't know what position God is in in your life right now, but he wants to be the cornerstone. That means he wants to be your savior. He wants to forgive you. He wants to welcome you into his family. He wants to forgive you of your sins, and, and he wants to not only reserve a place in eternity for you, he wants you to make him the cornerstone of your life right here, right now. He wants you to say, look, you're going to be the cornerstone of my marriage. You're going to be the cornerstone of my relationship with my children. You're going to be the cornerstone of my work life. You're going to be the cornerstone of my marital life, my financial life, my, my, my friendship life, all of these things. He wants to be the cornerstone. Why? Because when you reject him, everything falls apart. Jesus says, when I'm the cornerstone, when the struggles of life come, and they will, do you know what? Your life's going to stand, not because of you, but because of him. And when he's not the cornerstone, when he's not the foundation, when the struggles of life come, and they will, the house that you've built, the life that you built, will not stand. In fact, he says, and great is the fall of it. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that it made a loud thud. It means it's tragic. Because it didn't have to be that way. It means people notice it and think, how did that happen? And Jesus says, it happens when I'm not the cornerstone, it doesn't have to be that way. You see, when we go through the rest of Mark chapter 12, you're going to discover people asking Jesus, do I need to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, look, if his picture's on it, give it to him. People are going to say, what about this resurrection thing? Jesus is going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. The, the, the scribes are going to say, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is going to say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the first and like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're, you're going to see them asking Jesus, how, how can this guy named David, how, how can you be his descendant, but he call you Lord? And then it's all going to wrap up with a, a picture of Jesus standing and looking and seeing a widow give everything that she has two mites. Do you know what position God had in her life? He was at the center. He was the cornerstone. You see, all the questions that unfold in Mark chapter 12, when, when, when Christ is the cornerstone, everything takes care of itself. It all works out just like it needs to. And today I want you to, to know that here's a reality for your life and for my life. We have, have seen the goodness of God. We have seen the protection of God. We've seen the patience of God. And God in his grace has given us a savior named Jesus. The question is this. Have we let him take the position he wants in our life? The position to be our savior. The position to be the foundation of our life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, I'm not certain if you know Christ as your Savior, but I want to give you the opportunity to know that you know. Today, if you're not certain that Jesus is your Savior, but you would say, I'm certain that I'm a sinner, and I'm certain that, that I've failed God, and, and the best I know how, I believe that Jesus came into this world and he died on the cross to pay for my sin that he rose again, as the scriptures say. If you believe that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus did what the Bible says, and today you'd like to invite him to be your savior, 
I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer that goes something just like this. Dear Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please save me and help me to know you and to learn more about you? A simple prayer like that going from your heart to the heart of God. It takes care of it. It's not the prayer that takes care of it. It's that Jesus is already taking care of it. We just have to respond. We just have to acknowledge. So today, if you've acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner and need a Savior, and you've invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior, we want you to, to let us know that. If you're online, if you're in person, let us know. Online, let us know just in the response. If you're in person, come to the Connection Center afterwards. We want to help you know more about Jesus that has an incredible plan for your life. Maybe you're here today and you would say, John, I already know Christ as my Savior, but you know what? There's some moments where I need to see his goodness. I need to see his protection. I need to realize how patient he has been with me, and I need to be patient with him as I'm waiting to see some things in my life that I need his help with. Or maybe it's recognizing his grace. Or maybe you would say today, he is my Savior, but quite honestly, I've not allowed him to be the cornerstone of my life. There's some areas where I reject his input. There's some areas where I've tried to build things my own way. Maybe today, if that's you, you just offer your prayer as I pray and ask God to help you in whatever area it might be. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we need your help. God, there are those that don't know you as Savior. There are those that do know you as Savior, but they need you to be the cornerstone of their life. So, Father, whatever place someone finds themselves this morning, if they don't know you as Savior, I pray that you would help them to say that simple prayer, just acknowledging that they're a sinner and that you have done your part by dying, by being buried, by rising again. Help them to respond. Father, today for those who have already trusted as Savior, but they would say, look, I need you to be the cornerstone of my life. Help us to make you that foundational stone. Help us to respond to you in that way and to put you in the most critical point in our life so that you flow through every aspect of our life. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, 
We're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.